episode of A Wee Bit of Everything with Murray Carney, who was on today to talk to us about his kind of journey and career as a PE teacher and as a hockey coach, um, with some excellent stories in the in the process as well. It was great. A good laugh on that episode tonight. What was your thoughts? Any takeaway messages? Uh, my thoughts were that it was, it was really insightful and experienced, obviously. Tore us, tore us to shreds here and there, um, but you... <laughs> You sometimes just need to take it, don't you? When you're, when you're, dealing, when you're dealing with guys like Murray, there's no comebacks. Take it in the chin. Nah, we certainly did. <laughs> Your two chins have took a pounding. Sorry, right. it's, it's character building. <laughs> That's it, you've got to break them down to build them up. But uh, moving on to the key takeaway message, um, I would say my key takeaway message would be physical education, remember, as a practical subject, so make sure we don't lose sight of that. Murray spoke about it. I don't know if he'd spoke about it in the episode, but he definitely spoke about the podcast and at the end. He said, um, don't lose sight of that. Make sure that you teach everything with National 5 and higher within the practical sessions. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you do that anyway. Um, I do three, three practical and one theory for National. Um, but sometimes I find myself going two and two to try and push on some of the portfolio questions to try and deepen their understanding and knowledge within the classroom. But Murray said, leave the classroom for revision only and everything you teach should be through practical settings. So create scenarios where the pupils will feel anxious or feel pressure or have to deal with uh, coming up against determined opponents or they need to be determined. So you're, it's up to you as a teacher to create the environment where these practical scenarios occur and hopefully engage them in, engage them in the process and deepen the, the learning. And I think it's also important as well, like some of these pupils that you teach do have that experience in playing at a high level of competition, whether it be in football or badminton or whatever sport they play. But some pupils just don't have that experience at all. So it's given them the opportunity to experience that in a competitive environment. And then it gives them, obviously, the tools and the knowledge to, to write about it. But I thought it was fantastic what he was saying. Like, if there's someone in there that you know can take it, a pupil, you go in and challenge them, say, I'm going to thank you to that badminton and get all the pupils sitting around about. That was the example that he gave. And mm-hmm. um, talk to them as you're playing and get them and, and just give them a um a whoop because <laughs> <laughs> that's it you got to whoop them you've got to you've got to make sure that you give them the best uh, attempt <laughs> that you can but Lewis what I've got to say as well see on that as well like, they, they won't forget they won't forget those practical scenarios if you put them into situations where they're under how you make how you, how you made them feel in that moment they won't forget that and hopefully they can draw on that when they do their PDP. Aye, that's where you learn, isn't it? In those... In the... Right, Murray, uh, welcome to a wee bit of everything. First of all, how are you doing? Ah, doing really well. You know, I mean, up in God's chosen country, so you can't complain. You know, you Ouija's have got a bit of snow, I believe, so you'll <laughs> be wrapping up. And I've got a bit of snow. snow. He's getting a snow doing where he lives. Ah, uh, well, what type uh, of snow? <laughs> Aye. Aye, six, six I, I, I'm, I'm down in Hamilton. He's uh, in Lanark, but he's got oh, more. So you're he, posh then. Uh, posh. <laughs> no, you're in Fernagia. Uh, <laughs> as known as a as a posh area, but I'm certainly not posh, Murray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been in touch through emails um, before the the turn of the year, and it's been good to keep in touch with you about um, getting you on. Um, so thanks for for joining us t- tonight to share your experiences around. Uh, been a PE teacher and a hockey coach that's probably selling you short there because I'm sure you've got many more experiences that you'll touch on or we'll get to at some point 
So before we get into it then, could you give us and the listeners a little background information on your professional and then personal career as well outside teaching? Okay, right. Um, I was educated at Cults Academy, that's a guy posh area up in Aberdeen, but the uh, time I arrived that houses were being bought for £2,000, so I, I slept in the back door. Uh, I graduated that's a bargain, from... that's a bargain. It's a bargain, eh? yeah, but you didn't have a roof though. You didn't. <laughs> you, no help to buy scheme required. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I graduated uh, in 1982 from the Scottish School of Physical Education, so I'm an old git, really. Uh, my first teaching job, um, there weren't many jobs when I graduated, so I had to do what's called the milk round, so you guys won't know what that is. That's doing some primary schools and uh, a couple of secondary schools for the first year. And then I got transferred to Old Market Academies where I spent in the Brisbane five really eventful years. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, I was fortunate enough to apply for a PT's job at Mintlow Academy. And I got out on my first interview and I worked there for nearly over 30 years. Wow, uh, a long time. So it was a fantastic, it, you mean it was just a great, Great setting for me, fantastic kids, brilliant parents, and just the whole experience was first class. Um, I was allowed to be part of the examination team where I was a setter, verifier, and various capacities, and went through the standard grade, NAT 4, NAT 5, and etc. etc. Uh, as a young guy, I was really fortunate that uh, living in cults was. Um, had quite a lot of facilities and at a tennis court. So I uh, played tennis from a young age and played football and rugby and uh, took up hockey at age of 15. Um, fortunately enough to go on and um, coach the senior men as assistant coach and women at senior level. Um, Brilliant. Dissipated in several World Cups, Olympic qualifier, with the highlight being going with the team to Delhi as assistant head coach to the women's team. Um, what was that like? Amazing. Unbel unbelievable. You mean, just to be in, it's like, it's just like lockdown. It's like a big bubble because of the, I mean, we, we didn't know if we were going right up to the last minute because of the village wasn't ready, etc. But just mixing with world-class athletes that mm -hmm. were just there and in a village and you've got your, your set up and, and it's, it's, you've got, I mean, the, <clears throat> the cafeteria area, you, there were meals on all night. Was it, local, was it local food or was it like uh, no, it was kind of Western food? Company, an Australian company ah, right. that were brought in and they cooked everything. And, right. um, and all the produce, obviously, they didn't want an out. You know, I mean, water, you couldn't touch any of the local Yeah, that could, that could have been like a worry as well, going in and having like a cafeteria in, in a place like India where the food is very different from like Absolutely. Lo your local yep. food. So that could be upset stomachs and... Oh, Deli Belly is a call. Deli Belly, yeah, aye. Yeah, we arrived nearly two weeks before the game started to try and acclimatise to it. And um, they treat you when you were treated like royalty at the airport and you flew out with the team. It was fantastic leaving from Glasgow with, as part of a Scottish team. I mean, I'm, I love my country and uh, to, I never got to play it at the full squad level. And um, to just to go to that was just Aye. Some great memories there, I'm sure. Really, really good, yeah. So... In between that, I got asked by Paul Laurie to do his fitness coaching. I got a call one night from a local golf pro that I knew and said, hey, well, Paul Laurie wants to meet you. And I'm going, on your bike. 
I mean, you're taking the mickey, you know. So in the end, cut a long story short, he asked me to do his fitness coaching, and that led to uh, running his junior program, starting off his junior foundation, which is still going now for three years. Brilliant. That was, that him, was that him preparing for a, a, a like a golf tournament at the time, or? Uh, yeah, he was. He needed a kickstart. He said, and uh, he got to top twenty in the world again, and played Ryder Cup and played for Scotland in the World Cup. Fantastic guy, driven, really generous, and still does so much for Scottish golf and sport. You know, and top really something, you know. That's good. Might keep really your number. I might keep your number after this podcast and see if you can get me up to the top twenty and running. He's not <laughs> Paul Daniels. <laughs> He's the kind of work miracles, Loon. That's it. So I really enjoyed that. And now, uh, after my teaching career, I do one day a week at the, at the, the education hub at Banff Academy, working with alternatives to curriculum and employed as a placement tutor for Edinburgh University. And mm-hmm. when I get a spare minute. When COVID disappears, let's get back to my caddy at my local golf club, Green Bay, where I caddy for rich Americans and interesting people. Brilliant. I touched on some of those things that you said there in, in, in the introduction, but see the one where you, you work one, one day a week at Banff Academy. What is it you do there then? Um, I go into the base and uh, try and get pupils who are really struggling with education. Um, I started a I got a fresh start with a woman called Helen Richard, who was the SEN principal teacher at my old school, where we tried to, what we called was fresh start, give kids a new chance in doing alternative curriculum, like we did cooking, we did gardening, we did numeracy and literacy through darts, and um, we did a lot of stuff, and just giving them a lot more self-esteem. I mean, these kids were written off high truancy, high discipline record, and the whole idea was to get them back on side one to one or one to five at the time and to give them some sort of identity and um, mm-hmm. get them into employment, you know, prepare them their CVs. A lot of them were, some of them were farmers, so we arranged for them to get a tractor test, just tailored to meet their needs, basically. Yeah. But it, it was really, it was a, it extended probably my teaching career because you need to keep on inventing yourself, otherwise you become stale. So I think it was really, really good. So I still do, uh, Alan Horby, the head teacher up there, has invited me to go up and carry up. He was my ex-head teacher at Mint Law. He's now gone to Bath, so he's invited me up there to do one day a week. And I've got a group of five pupils that I work with on a one-to-one basis. Seems like you're still very much involved in a lot of stuff then. Yeah, you mean... Yeah, not as busy as I was because um, it was just getting ridiculous. But um, I do really enjoy it. And, I, and it, the type of person I am, I like people's company and I don't like being on my own. And I like to be out and about. And i still got a lot of friends through the SQA that I'm now meeting up through the university placement. So it's a great way of meeting people and getting new ideas and keeping yourself young. Mm-hmm. I just seem you're working with these kids that are sort of disadvantaged. Obviously, there's a lot of schools probably out there who have certain cohorts who are part of a nurture group and stuff like that, um, certainly yeah. in my school. Like, if you had to pick one thing, what is it that you think these kids need? Like, and why, why are they in such a disadvantaged position? I think they need a voice, to be honest. Is that you mean, for instance, you mean three of them used to come to me on a, on a Tuesday and go, and we worked with the CLD, who is an ex pupil of mine, Lynn Gordon, and they used to come in and go, Oh, Mr. Connie, I'm, I'm done. 
my head's bursting. I said, well, what's the matter with you? He says, well, there must be something. I says, why are you always grumpy on a Tuesday? Well, you were going to college. And the way it was, he says, well, how would you feel, Mr. Carney, if you were coming in and doing, before we see you, we've got 80 minutes of maths, we've got 80 minutes of English, we then get you for 40, 40 minutes, and then guess what we've got in the afternoon? College catch-up, English and maths. And you're thinking, well, so the voice, they've got a voice and they feel as if they're listened to, you get a bit of identity, and really... Just that point, really, though. you know, just really getting somebody that they can come and confide in, they can speak to, and you know, we prepared, we did what's called first aid cooking, so that a lot of them would be going home and to nothing. So we thought at least we can in the morning used to come and get the toast and their breakfast, and then during the day they would come in and we would do some cooking with them, like making pizza, baking and eggs, and health and well-being would be kind of try to incorporate that and, and pass and all that and arrange for that. And it, it, they really responded to it and they all went, the good thing about it is of the 25 that we worked with over the five, four years that did it, they all went into employment, which really? is fantastic. Yeah, that's brilliant. You know what I mean? So it was, it was really, really good. And we've got, a, we, we, had a, we reclaimed an old area down beside the railway line alongside where we could do, they did gardening. And we, we got the techie guy to come in and build a shed and we had a barbecue pit and, and we, they kept it and they did all the weeding and they changed it around and did a bit of crop with it and learned, you know, it was there and it was never damaged mm. because they knew that anybody touched it, they would be, you know, that's I, it. And because they created it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was theirs. Yeah, and they that's understood. good. They understood what I says. Well, now you know what life is. If you go away and damage, ringing some of your old folks' doorbell or knock down this or do damage something or scrape a car, or I said, now you know what it's like to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's I, I love that point where you know giving them a voice and giving them that sense of belonging within the school can go a long way. Um, well, all they ever get is from all they ever get told is what they're doing wrong. I know. That's so true. And not told how they can, in times, that's maybe a bit unfair, but there are a lot of staff, is we never give them a solution. We never give them mm. an out. Never give mm. them a chance. You know, we just got it. Is that you don't know, you don't know where these kids have, what they've seen, where they've come from, what's happened the night or the morning before they've come to school. Well, I think sometimes we can forget, like, we're there to teach them how to behave as well. I remember listening to a podcast with Tom Bennett, who was, like, very well versed on like behaviour management strategies and he says you know, yeah. like behaviour should be like a curriculum and part of the school. So sometimes I think we just expect them to know how to behave. Well that's a that's a really good point. You mean like a lot of the kids um that I deal with is that the language is very poor. And I'm going, well look, I'm not accepting these are the boundaries that you're gonna to have to and, and and say, well, it's not nice. Would you speak to your granny like that? We I'm like I'm an elderly gentleman. I don't like that. And I said, and people don't like to hear it. And so it's just it's bringing them into a bit of reality and, you know, what's, well, that might be normal for them to be cursing and swearing. Well, it, it's not acceptable. It's a lack of respect and it's a lack of discipline. So just building on that and having rules and sticking to them. And they will, they will disappoint you, but I've had as much satisfaction from coaching an Olympic athlete to working with these kids. Mm-hmm. Because right. it's it's probably it sounds all smulchy and all oh well that's great he's easy to say well no 
seeing these kids from having been excluded, running with the police, to getting a job at the end of it. What a positive destination that is. Mm-hmm. It's almost more. It's almost like it could be a bit more satisfying because you're actually putting them from a bad path onto a good path, and almost saving the rest of their life. If you if you think about it like that. Absolutely. Well, you're giving them a chance, aren't you? Yeah. It's a fresh start, if you want to call it that. They, mm-hmm. they didn't like the name. Why are we getting a fresh start? I says because you deserve it. Yeah. Let's just forget. Give them some. I think we should give them credits. I call it credits. Give them something for nothing to start with. Mm-hmm. So you've got something to take away at times because a lot of these kids don't have anything. Mm-hmm. So I give them a little bit of this is give them something like take my way to do something. Why are you doing that? Well, they don't get anything. That's it. And what they want is attention and want to feel. When they misbehave, what they're generally wanting, I believe, and I may be wrong, is they want you to feel as bad as how they're feeling. It's mm-hmm. a good way to look at it, actually. Mm-hmm. You mean, and that's it. They're not wanting you, they don't want to be, it's show and it's that, but I think primarily is it. That's the subconscious reason behind it. Absolutely, and I'm an amateur in it. So, I mean, but I think that's how, in speaking to the kids, is that I said to them, you just, you're not in a good place. You just want, I mean, they're hurting. So, why should I not be the only one that's hurting? Mm hmm. No, you're certainly, you're certainly not an amateur in my eyes. Like for someone who's been so experienced, Murray, to still be getting up and working with these kids, that's an inspiration for me. Well, it's so. nice to hear. No, I still love it. It's a, as I say, it's a privilege to get to work with these kids, and they really, they really connect with you. And uh, I think it's, it's money couldn't buy it. You know, what I mean, I call it visa time. You know, what I mean, that's it. Nice. Just, it's fantastic. Really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So then, moving on uh, to sort of a different, different path. And what are your favourite memories as a PE teacher? Um, and why do you think, why do you think these memories mean so much to you? Well, it's just basically for me is that working with students putting the trust in you. Basically, I think that's it. Is that they come on board and they they trust in you, they look up to you, and they work really, really hard for you. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a great journey, is that every day I enjoy going into work. After holidays, six weeks holidays, people say, oh, well, you're going back into it. I like Mayor and I, I worked very closely with, he was, a, he was a bit older than me, but a great guy with kids, and I learned a lot from him, is that it's just in there, is that you're providing a platform for them to, to learn. And I think, Physical education is, I'm going to be biased, is it, it ticks all the boxes. I mean, it prepares for work, it, all the team building, accepting success, being taking knocks, planning programs. It just really makes them, if you're talking about resilience, which we all want mm-hmm. the kids to be, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. But uh, it's the whole package, PP, hasn't it? It's got the whole package. I don't think any other subject can offer quite the same 100 like percent. everything I mean, yeah i mean for me i mean it, it's been great i mean like for me like it's just the people that we meet you mean i may be biased but the people who the teachers who have handled covid best are p teachers because they're adaptable they're really mm-hmm. imaginative they've gone out and introduced new activities they get on with it a minute of us we're pretty we're really 
imaginative people, you know, and uh, it just goes back to, you mean, like the buzz that you get at school. You mean, when I first started at Mint Law, is that the people you meet, one of my pals now who a, was a head teacher locally, uh, he was always phoning him up. In those days, you had a, maybe not so much paperwork. He used to phone me up and go, Murray, Murray, eh. Uh, this and pretend he was somebody else, really childish stuff for a head teacher, you know. But it was just a way of him doing it. And he and this guy phoned up and says, Oh, Murray, uh, just to let you know, Murray can't get, yeah, just to let you know that Mintler Academy has been selected to do a coaching session with Pelly and Andy Roxborough at Petodre. And I went, Look, Andy, I've got three kids in here I'm dealing with that are way off the planet. I said, I'll phone you back. No, 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 the guy gets no, I'm from, and I just put the phone down. <laughs> so five minutes later, this guy from the SFA phones back up again. Says, before you put the phone down, no, it's not Andy. It's, 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 it's such and such. So our kids got a trip into Petaudry and got coaching from Pelly and Roxburgh. Seriously? Then, yeah. Wow. Uh, we had a whole afternoon with Pelly and Andy, who, as you know, Andy Roxburgh is now the technical delegate for UEFA. And mm-hmm. did the whole coaching session. And How long thought, ago was that? Oh, we're talking, it was when the youth, um, it would have been whoa, 20, 25 years ago. Michael that is, used to be head of Coach Ed, didn't he, as well? Yeah. Yeah, but so our kids won that and they got in. Well, Marino Keith, who went on to play for Plymouth Argyle, Dundee, Falkirk, he was one of the kids that went there. Wow. And um, Scott Murray as well. I mean, it was just a fantastic. We're all in there thinking, the Pele and just... Was he any good? It, he was... Uh, he, he was <laughs> could, he, could he trap a ball? Dad will know that what Chelsea boots were. And he did about 100 keepers. Chelsea boots, did he? And flicked it up and just thundered the shot into the goals with his boots on, you know, and it was just... That is just like such an icon though, like Pelly's like, you just wouldn't ever imagine him coming to Pataudry, that's insane. Well, whoever why was he there? Pataudry these days, you know, who would ever, it's probably the best player that's ever been at Pataudry. No, Morelos. Uh, <laughs> we're, talking, we're talking about, well, the only connection is South American, that's a bit of fun. But no, it, it was fantastic, I mean, I nearly cost him the trip, because I put the phone down in my what I thought was my pal, the head teacher. At the Winding time, you up. Winding me up. So that was, uh, and just, you know, like the kids in Mintlaw is, the environment is, is that in the end, I was then teaching kids that I taught their dad and their mom mm-hmm. and they would be coming to parents' night. So you, you go through the loop and that's a beautiful thing about the environment is that you then were able to know where the kids went on and, you know, that closed loop that Matthew Sinai talks about is, Teachers get frustrated because you take them right up to certification and then you find out, or fourth year, you don't know where they go, which is a bit. Whereas I was fortunate to close the loop, is that I still play golf with the next pupil who played with the Dons. I um, have Sparkies down, much, oh, sorry, electricians down, do my work, or joiners doing stuff, homers from me, and everything like that. So I, I still see lots of ex pupils all over mm-hmm. the place. And with LinkedIn and all that, you get, hey, Manny Carney, is that you? You're still alive? Yeah, I'll get in all this. <laughs> yeah. So that's the beauty. I don't think many subjects would be, PE lends itself to that, doesn't it? Aye, absolutely. 100%. I think what you're doing there as well, if you're the PT, you're sort of, uh, you know, you're creating that community spirit where you're kind of making sure you keep in touch with everybody and 
yeah. great is that sort of community spirit, I think, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's really good. I didn't stay in, I stayed 15 miles away, but you mean, I was always felt really welcome and the parents were so positive and that, the, the relationship that we had, if any of the kids stepped out of line is that the parents backed, backed the PE department 100% because they knew the amount of it. You mean extracurricular, we had something like 700 kids doing extracurricular at one oh. stage during the week because, and the girls with Kim Little and all that, they produced girls in sport. We had more girls were bucking the trend, more girls participating in extracurricular at one stage than boys because of the role models. Mm-hmm. So, so see, was, I'm assuming you're saying like the parents were positive and back you. How did you manage to create that sort of backing from them? How did you do that? Is well, I think because uh, a lot of them stayed locally and then didn't move out the areas is that is that they knew what light you were at school and if you were consistent and they knew that mm-hmm. we went beyond the call of duty yeah. and, and the relationship that you had, that you were fair and the department had a good rapport with them in there and brought them in and, and a lot of, you I mean, parents used to come and watch our extracurricular, our boys teams are really excellent as well and um, so that kind of I just go an extra mile for them. Going there is a tradition is that they know and they're still seeing you doing it. You know, from being a twenty-seven-year-old doing it and still doing it at fifty, you're thinking, well, that's twenty-three years of extracurricular. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, going the, and they they see it. Well, they did it. They enjoyed it and see the value of it. And they back school. You mean like for our extracurricular fund? Our school buses used to cost us about twelve thousand pounds a year for extracurricular. It's a lot. And every 18 months, we had a sponsored walk where the community would raise, the kids would go out and get sponsors, 18,000 every 18 months. So that's the kind of ethos that that we developed is that they they saw it as an investment in their kids. Mm -hmm. They were all over Stornoway. The girls won the Coca-Cola Cup. They were away to Madrid. They were away to Barcelona. I mean, winning national trophies, the boys winning North of Scotland Cup. They won the Scottish Cup under 16, which is tremendous for us, 860 school. Shows you how beneficial the extracurricular programme can well, be. Donnie talk, I mean, Don McLeod talked about that. In, in the, yeah, he was very the, big on it. Very big on it. I think what killed it a little bit when there was a scheme introduced to pay staff money to stay on after school for you know maths club or english club or whatever drama club and we're thinking well what's the difference between pe we've done it for years and these people would be all of a sudden turning up to do english and going away with 30 pounds an hour and you would be doing it for nothing but if you were doing it for the money teaching is not the place if you're doing it for the money it's not the place to be so For me, is that you just go on with it, and you got so much. Whether you won or lost, you I mean my first football team when I started played ten games and conceded one hundred and thirty goals. <laughs> you I mean I had to be on the Frank Lampard lorry <laughs> out of town. You I mean, but we had some great. You I mean we had a small school at the time, and we'd only something like fourteen kids to pick from, but they were really tight in together, and two of them were, turned out to be PE teachers, and then. So, well, he definitely, definitely turned it around then. 
Seems to have a, a good, a fair few athletes that have come out of your your school. You've got obviously got a, a secret talent there. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's just the staff, and you mean it's a relationship. Is that you know if you work the relationship and and it's a team effort. Is that you need a good coach to to get the best, and it's it's a partnership that you've got to work with. And mm-hmm. I think it's the environment. You mean there was a lot of good coaching in the boys' clubs and the girls' clubs up in Mintlaw. It was a community thing. Is that they did their bit, we did our stuff, and we did. You mean in the department we had two UEFA football coaches and another member of staff who was really into hockey. We were, to be fair, we were very games orientated. That would mm. probably be the weakness in our department is that creative and aesthetic wasn't a strength. But in latter years, when you were able to recruit and all that, we got we, we kind of sorted that balance a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you talk about Pele, Petaudre and grew up there and you've got some good memories. So before we move on, have you any, any yes. other memories that stick in your mind? Um, well, the fresh start, as I talked earlier on, that's a great memory. The fact that also when we started standard grade, we were able to take the pupils on a residential up to Braemar. And a lot of these kids had never been, you know, sitting at a table having meals or eating out in the, in the wild or hill walking or navigating. So that was a great, they, they loved that. So we would just try to, what we're always trying to do is to invent things that the kids didn't get a chance to do, and and they really bought into that. At one stage, we were ninety kids doing standard grade, and thirty kids doing you know with more doing it than the sciences, and the and as many doing maths or English higher at the time with the we had as many doing PE. So just doing that and putting. PE on the map and Mintla was really, really important. I had three aims when I went there and I probably, I would hope to achieve two, but the one that I never really thought was that to educate the staff in the school, how important PE really is as a subject. I was going to ask you that. I was going to say, ask, did you have any PE teachers as deputies or head teacher? We did. did. That's useful, isn't it? It is. It's an ally to your cause and, and and it was always I always felt if we expanded as a department it wasn't because not I'd be unfair to say that they saw value in our subject it was because they couldn't get we were always back against English or maths it expanded because it was a solution more PE staff means to say you can back it against PE give them more PE time because we can't employ maths or English teachers so it was never really expansion because you deserved it it was because it kind of happened mm-hmm. by accident and did you get that's was probably it, was the it, frustrating thing is that a lot of people just thought oh higher PE they're just out playing what value of it you know what I mean is it to them they're quite I, and I don't think I succeeded very well in educating the rest of the staff on that and I think that's one of your biggest challenges I see as a as a professional, yeah, because right, um, that, that came up on one of the podcasts is like have a clear vision and be ready to articulate it at any point in a staff room or anywhere. Always, always know the value of your subject and be able to articulate it straight away. Absolutely, you mean like there's figures, you've got all your stats, figures, and and when they compare PE to how the their grades they get in other subjects, we were sometimes getting four bands greater on average, and. Uh, 
though the answer is, oh, must be much easier. Mm-hmm. They don't think of the process, but, but you, as long as you know it, you can't educate everybody. And the most important thing is, uh, if they're blind to it, as long as the kids get a valued experience out of it, is it that important? It'd be nice. It's icing on the cake, but if they're really true educationalists, then they'll understand the value of what you're doing. Mm-hmm, definitely. Now, uh, it seems like the kind of overarching theme then of your memories as a PE teacher is the, the relationships and how rewarding it's been giving those young people the opportunities that, you've, that your school's provided for them. Yeah. Um, so can I, mo- moving on to question three then, Murray, yeah. what was it like, can I, away from the teaching, what was it like coaching at that elite level um, as a hockey coach? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like a bit like teaching. It's an amazing responsibility to get. You mean mm-hmm. you're representing your country. You're involved in the tactics. You're involved in the travel with the team. You, you mean working with dedicated and outstanding athletes. You know, they experience experience the high and lows with them. Um, I was doing a bit of research. So I was about research and your tactics. I was saying online, you like to park the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I was a very attacking coach. Sorry. I'm only joking, I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah, so you mean, it's amazing to represent your country and to be part of their journey, you know what I mean? They share your their journey with you, is that, huh. you mean, being in Aberdeen is a great disadvantage to all your athletes because they have to travel training in Stirling or Glasgow, so we would be leaving for a tournament, we would be, I'd be down in Stirling on a Tuesday night, Thursday night, for six after working, and then Saturday, Sunday. So, so it was a did you did you get into your hockey coaching before you became a teacher? Then, uh, I started. I had a really bad knee injury playing. I was never the fastest, but uh, I got wiped out by a goalkeeper, and I, I shattered all my knee when I was about Oofed. twenty-four. So I had to really make a decision, you know, if I wanted to teach or wanted to keep on playing. So I kind of still played national league stuff, but didn't do any. And then I got into coaching the Scotch schoolboys in those days of under sixteen, under eighteen, and then. And that was before you got into that. That was before you got into PE yeah. teaching. No, I was teaching at the time. But I, you were teaching I, I started teaching coaching probably within two years of two years of graduating. So it would have been about got you. yeah, about twenty three, twenty four when I started coaching the schoolboys. So when did you stop coaching? Did you coach right through your teaching career? Right through till about up to Glasgow. Yeah. Up. Up until uh, 2014? Just start, stop then. So, you mean one year I put 30,000 miles in my car? Jings. But you mean it's amazing. You mean when you're. It's a commitment, it's though, isn't it? Coaching, like, you need to, you give up so much of your time. I don't know, was yeah. it. It certainly like that was because I, I went through the route of sport coaching and development and yeah. obviously to gain your experience everything's voluntary work so you're giving up a lot of your time putting a lot of miles in your car and you're working at like the basic and that's just for grassroots level as well and I think people don't yeah. actually, a lot of people um, don't realise the commitment that's into coaching yeah but you mean we used athletes I used to drive them down to, to the coaching because they were from Aberdeen to save them you know, paying petrol, whatever. So I took them down there. So you built a bond is that we always knew we had to be better up north. We had to have something special if we were going to compete with the Central Belt because we were playing nationally, but they were playing at a higher level, same level, but more often. So we had to always equip them like, um, we always said if we're going to get picked in a squad, you have to have an extra string to your bow, like 
inject at corners or stop at corners or if you're going to be a goalkeeper you need to be really good at corners you know work on specialist areas so mm-hmm. that was the journey there and just you mean like going to you mean coaching getting to coach kids from school level that then get 170 caps in Scotland you get present them with their 100 caps you're part of the journey you know I mean uh, Lee Fawcett you mean was a netball player convert to the hot player 132 caps Travelled up and down the road from Aberdeen 132 times. Nicky Kid from Middle scores over 56, 64 goals for Scotland. You know, 170 caps, 5 GB. So, you mean, it's not everybody, only so many people can play for Scotland and they, they are so dedicated. And, and, and it, it's working on it's different things. It's just a lot of fine-tuning, you know, just working and stuff. It's... it's it's great and solving problems. They're always asking questions on how to get better. So I ended up once going away and speaking to Highland League, uh, a Highland Games coach to try and find out how they can generate more pace on the ball when they're passing it. And about the rotation, you know, of the shot put and transferring that knowledge into, and it really worked, you know. And it's, something it's, I've always found quite fascinating. See. What did you find more challenging, coaching? Obviously, coaching at the elite level, you need to have a, a much more sound knowledge of the game, tactics and positions, all that sort of stuff. Or when you're coaching at a more kind of grassroots level, you need to be better at explaining things in a simple way and managing little kind of maybe behavioural issues and things like that. What did you find more challenging to, to coach? Uh, well, you have behavioural issues with the... The, the seniors the as well? The, the yeah, the athletes. I mean, the really performed athletes is... A, Ali McGregor, I sent home one day from training saying, look, your head's mince. We're not getting any better. He was a PE teacher. He'd just come from work. So you, the skills are transferable. Is how you, it's all about managing people yeah. and getting the best people and, and, and having a relationship where they, whether it's a school kid or an athlete, is that they trust in you that you're delivering, you're doing your best and for mm-hmm. them. I see, that's, that, that's interesting. It seems that the challenges are still the same, no matter what level you're, you're coaching at. They're just it's just a different different environment. You've got to find is that they look to you to find solutions. Mm-hmm. That's you true. Know, they, that's that's they what you're there for, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, you have to go and investigate, and depends on how good a coach or a teacher is. If you can find solutions and they see a result, then they are with you. Yeah. So see if, it's, see if it's about creating that sort of uh, solution-focused environment, then how, like obviously coaching is about engagement as well, and so is teaching, like engaging the, the players or the, the pupils. Is it all about the relationships as well for that side? Like for for me, one, yeah, it, it's been, you mean, you turning up and being consistent, and and as I said to you, is, is, that, is that the journey is a, it's a shared journey, is that at the end of the day, is what you want the kids to be. You want them to be I always start off at parents' night is, and it sounds maybe people won't believe this, but I say, first of all, you should be very proud of your son or daughter. They are really lovely people. Oh, what about it? No, I said, that is, for me, that's the most important thing for me is that they're really nice people, mm-hmm. our, our kids or whatever, and that's it. And that's it there is that all this, the athletes I've been with, they keep in contact with me, meet up with them, and, and, and it's all just, it's just a fantastic 
you feel part of you I mean it's just a family it's mm -hmm. a school family it's a, it's a and that's your life so you're quite big on that kind of developing the person first then the player oh 100 percent. yeah mm -hmm. i mean you can do you can go beyond all expectations if if you if people are together it's you almost like what you said earlier like if they can get an air pass that's icing on the cake isn't it it's about how you develop them as in terms of respect and discipline as you spoke about as well yeah there might be a kid gets a c in a higher pe but the journey that they've gone on has might have been really hard and really difficult and worked as hard or achieved that that c might be really really fantastic achievement for them mm -hmm. it's and all relative they, isn't it it's all relative and i think that's where you've got to look at the journey that each and set them out and tell them exactly where they are and try and where they want to aspire to. And you do it in your teaching every day, guys, is that you go in and say, right, Johnny, I think you could really, you work hard on this, I think you could really maybe just push that, but this is what we need to do. It's share, sharing that journey, sharing where you mm -hmm. want them to go. It's not mm -hmm. a secret. You mean, somebody has to go to Beijing to play in goals for Great Britain. Somebody has to get 170 cats for Scotland. And I used to say, why can't I? not be you mm -hmm. so how let's see with coaching was it quite serious or were you able to have a bit of banter and show your kind of personality yeah, well, you mean, there are times i mean it's, it's it's just like teaching it's like the respect is that they know there's time for to relax at coaching there's times to take the foot off the throttle and teaching it's just the skill of knowing the right time to apply the pressure or the expectations and knowing your client you mean if that you know that they're struggling a little bit for form then you maybe go back and work on an area and say right okay what would you like to work on today you mean let's work on this and and give them their own kind of identity it's rather we're rather prescribed at higher pe used to say to them what would you like to work on is there an area that you as a group you would like to work on yeah we like to work on a passing and moving or creating space right so they feel part of their education mm -hmm. and they've got a voice almost absolutely and that's so important sometimes i think like it's important like i find myself always telling the kids what they're not doing right rather than sometimes i think it's beneficial to focus on reinforce the things they do well so they know how that feels and yeah. they can go and do it again we're very good at telling kids what they don't do very well at mm -hmm. but we're not very good at telling them how to sort it that's just a general thing, isn't it? I think we're so good at criticising everything. You watch like a, a game of sport on the TV and it's watching professionals and all you do is sit and criticise them for doing the, the bad things. And it, it's like, is it a Scottish thing? Is uh, it a Scottish thing? Is that, yeah, or oh, what a player he is. I, oh, yeah. You could be the best player in the world, but you can't head the ball. Ah, you know. What do we focus on? What do we focus on? The negative. Oh, a beautiful day, isn't it? It'll not last long. <laughs> Oh, no, that's right. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, seen that thundercloud there, there. Absolutely. You mean like... Don't you know, speak too soon. Yeah, the coaching side for me as well, as I was able, when I worked, for instance, when I went away to Chile, I worked with the SN department. They did a little project and worked out where Chile was and the food and and wrote letters to me when, or emailed me when I was away there for three weeks and, and they then came back and did a project and that engaged them and I brought them back stuff and signed t-shirts and some of the squad would go online and speak to them and they just loved that, you mm -hmm. know, so it's sharing that, you I mean, not everybody has been really lucky like me to get to go on these things, but if you can 
get these kids to experience it, they felt really, really part of the whole process as well. Mm-hmm. So, you mean, that's what you're trying to do is to try and share out that magic dust. Give everybody an experience. Not everybody can do it. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, to see for any teachers listening, uh, Murray, would you recommend that they they do a co- take on a maybe a coaching job and a passion that they've got, or would you say focus on your teaching? I don't. You mean much as I love teaching, I, I don't know if I could. Uh, there's no right or wrong here, but I think it really freshened me up and gave me new goals and you know being involved in coaching at a high level because you can't. I mean, whether it's part of the arts club or whether you go away in a mountain biking club or you go to anything a woodland project or something is that having another focus and and using your skills there i think it's good to have another channel out out with your teaching but it, you mean all the skills are still the skills you take to your classroom will you'll take to that environment as well just kind of deepens your knowledge a bit more of the sport as well and keeps you and tip top keeps you human it keeps Aye. you human Mm-hmm. You mean a bit of reality that you mean a lot of people that, that you mean, I mean, the experience that I've had is uh, unbelievable. When you look, you mean when I was asked to do this, looking back at it, I have been so lucky mm-hmm. to get to be, be involved in even half the stuff that I've done. Brilliant. I've been very, very fortunate. That can it be lucky to want to be better than Yeah, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're pretty good at that. <laughs> no, it's been brilliant. Right, so I don't know about you, Clark, but one of my kind of sports that I've never really taken to, and I hate to tell you, it has been hockey. I don't know what it is. It's maybe because at school I've maybe not been so good at it, and because I found it challenging. I don't know. Maybe I've just not kind of stuck in at it as much as I have with like football, or maybe I don't know. Maybe I've just not found that spark for the sport of hockey. Um, and just say it, you hate hockey. No, I don't. I don't hate it because I've actually, I've actually started, I've actually started teaching it for the first time this year. With because we go through hockey's part of one of the games for the national five class and the hires. Okay. Um, but looking at it from maybe junior school S one to S three, obviously hockey's a a very technical sport and it is a difficult sport to learn. It's a, I would I would argue that it's a lot more difficult than the likes of football and stuff because of the control and the, the motor skills that you need to be able to control the ball. Um, so, with that being said, how would you go about introducing a block of hockey, say to an S1 group that are just kind of fresh and yeah. they're just, you're just introducing the sport to them for the first time, I guess is what I'm trying to well, ask. First, well, firstly, I wouldn't get you to teach it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing, I'll tell you one thing, Murray, don't phone me either. I'll stick to football. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what's the difference between football and hockey is that there's a ball involved. And I think yeah. the biggest thing I would advise any PE department, it's like volleyball, is the minute, you I mean, you used to play these Picasso match balls and they used to sting you and everything like that. It's the ball, is, is for me, is the most important thing. Is that you can get a mini ball that's really light, something about like, something like five inches, and it can, on grass or astro or sand-based pitches, it can, it can, what happens in hockey is that everybody comes in together. Nobody can get the ball wide. They can't transfer the ball long or short. It's really difficult in that sense. So for me, is getting the ball in would be changing the ball, investing in that is fantastic. That's step number one. I would teach it through the game as well. 3v3 and just say, right, 
here's the, this game we're going to play is hockey, is that the rules are you can only use the flat side, sticks below shoulder, and if it hits your feet, you have to back off a metre and we, we play. And mm -hmm. through there, you then teach the skills from there and say, right, okay, discovery learning. How are we going to get the ball longer? Well, we introduce the hit. A lot of drills, we can do in that, okay? And then, so you're building the skills through, from the game. So I was like rather teaching, than... Kind of, kind of like teaching games for understanding then, you're kind of getting them to problem solve as well and you're asking those questions as you're teaching Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's a game that lends towards that. And, you're, mm -hmm. and if you look at your footballers and your good games players, is making sure in the 3v3 that you distribute them, and all good teachers will do this, is having a player in there that can, that's a little bit more advanced, that can shape the game. So, yeah. and getting them there in 3v3, and then you introduce a self-pass where you can take the, the ball yourself and carry it and pass it, and that takes away the element from when I taught it, of having to be able to hit it or push pass it or slap it. So, for me, is you can teach the width, getting it wide, you can get it. Is, and my key concept that I used to teach it through there is, like in football or in basketball or any invasion game, says, right, when you pass that ball, I would like you. What's the first thing I want you to do is, is where are you going to go and help? How are you going to help the person that you've just passed to? And that's the, that's the way I would teach hockey to the to S1. And, and would you go any more than 3v3 in S1? Would you always just keep it at that? Well, you I mean, you can do differentiation. If you've got a really good group, then you can maybe go 5v5 and, and lead them to that. But 4v4 is you're all about wanting plenty of touches. Touch, yeah, small-sided games are, lend themselves nicely. Small-sided games, and then your better ones, you can say, well, is that you're not allowed to hit the ball, or you can put lots of differentiation into it and say that you've got to pass it, or you're not allowed to to pass it long or you can go short or you could put cones up the middle and say that you, to encourage the width so lots mm -hmm. of all the skills that you've done for your football you'll be really good as a football teacher yeah. is are all transferable in there but the ball is crucial and teaching it through the game mm -hmm. what was the name of the ball was that, was that the it's, a, it's just a mini it's called a mini hockey ball it's about three or four ounces they're, they're not cheap but they're five pounds well, they were in my day, so I mean, it might have been five shillings in my day, but <laughs> you, you just, um, I think it's a great investment into the... A lot of the schools have got the astro pitches, so when we play on it, it's, it's, doesn't it rolls quite, obviously? Well, that, that ball will be, if you got even get five or six in there mm -hmm. and for your games and working on that, and they, and they work on it, and they can say, you can show them, okay, well, so what does the ball do? Well, you just move your feet round, or you go reverse stick and, and all about the concept is of what you're trying to do is is what number one is get them exercising mm -hmm. and through mm -hmm. that way all all your good football all a lot of the good get uh, lady internationalists are, are very good footballers as well as a high transference that have played in that and vice versa and and our basketball or netball or whatever all the all of them transfer so just shaping your game as i said through small-sided games and keeping the rules the minimum. Don't, I mean, get them. You could be part of your outcomes as self-umpiring. Okay, hit mm -hmm. my feet. Teach them, hand up, one metre off, away you go. Mm -hmm. 
I just keep it quick. Like, there's so many wee technical rules in that involved. We only do indoor hockey. We only because we don't have an yeah. astro that, so we just play it in the. It's so hard. To, it's so fast. Yeah, it's. it's the ball's the, off the pitch. You mean it's? Uh, I think so it's just trying to get the get the pupils over that first hurdle of because they because they find it so difficult to control the ball, and it's probably is because it's indoor. And it is really it's so fast paced yeah. that they sometimes yeah. can they give up and the head goes down quite a lot and. I just think Absolutely. they find it really so challenging. Yeah, I would say that indoor hockey is very, very difficult. But there's, you mean there's, there's less skills, and you know, you've got your front stick stop, your reverse stick, and you've got your push pass and your and your flick. Whereas you've got a lot more uh, skills at outdoor. But yeah. I think it's an easier game to teach outdoor and to introduce the game of hockey. Mm-hmm. Right, Murray. Before we move on to the final question, yeah. Uh, we spoke a wee bit about football as well um, during the podcast. Uh, I just actually had a wee thought to myself there um, oh, about, about, about <laughs> who, like from a text about who he supported. So, um, what's your thought? You spoke a lot about pressure and expectation. Yeah. What do you think about the situation with Neil Lennon at the minute, just in terms of how he's handling that situation? Just to get your thoughts on it. I think. I think he. I think the club let him down to an extent as well as is, is that he's, you I mean, uh, Kim Little, one of my footballers who's now going on to play for Arsenal in Scotland, um, she was at a kind of a presentation and Murdoch, there was a lot of football stars there, Hanson and everything like that. And Neil Lennon was, she said, by far the best to come up and speak to her and ask her how she was getting on and what's it all the best. Is I think is is that being at Rangers Celtic is, it doesn't matter. You'll never please everyone. And I think is that if I'd been Neil Lennon, I would have avoided the question and say, look, it's been, he just, he let him, his guard down. And well, he just I, frustrated, I really liked, wasn't he? He was but really I, frustrated. I mean, it, it, the pressures are, he wants uh, the expectations, people's ex Scottish expectations is all of a sudden, he's the most decorative, decorated, sorry, uh, player, manager. Oh, he's won the Scottish game. As well, and and it's, that's life in Scotland. What's it worth? It's that's history. Ah, but ah, but. So, I mean, is that he didn't make he handled it badly in the sense is that he should have just said, "Look, yeah, it, hindsight's a great thing. Yeah, we maybe sh- we shouldn't have gone there, but enough's been said. The matter. Let's go talk about football and let's talk about how we're going to try and turn around our twenty-point deficit against Rangers." Mm-hmm. I think I, th- but, I think it, I think he had to come out fighting though to defend the club. I think that was, but just maybe the way the way, the way he'd done I it. Though. His job is to put players on the pitch and to and to win and to perform. Is that the role there? Is that's where you've got maybe your assistant manager takes a bit of the heat off you and maybe stands up, or you've got your chairman. It was the chairman's decision in the end to mm, finance yeah. the trip. So he came out and said, "Yeah, hindsight, ill-advised." And said, yeah, I totally agree with the chairman. Yeah, hindsight's a great thing. Let's go and talk about how we're going to turn around. I've got some great young kids coming into play. And, I just changed the subject. Oh, a positive. Hit a positive by negative. Don't go negative. Don't. They got exactly what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to sell the papers at the end of the day, but do you think Absolutely. he was maybe trying to get think he was trying to get a reaction off the players, maybe? Uh, well, I, I, wouldn't, I certainly, any reaction you do behind closed doors mm-hmm. is that you deal with people, personalities, you get misquoted in the paper, you get misquoted everywhere, is that if you're trying to motivate your players, you do it in the training ground and you go, look, we're getting heat, 
No comment is what we're going to be talking about. Our focus. I mean, it's a diversion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why they lost. That's why they keep on drawing or losing. But I don't know. I don't know whether, whether Lennon should walk away. I don't know what the right thing is to do. Like if I was in that situation, I don't know if I would walk away or would I just keep fighting it out until the club make a decision. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a really yeah. I think, and it's not a nice. He's a human being. You mean he could be your father? You could be your grand? You mean mm-hmm. whatever? You mean he could be part of your family? Is is that is that in Scotland? They're brutal. Is that they love you when you're winning and mm. you're the flavour of the month, but it's not long and short and coming back at you and, and hitting you big time. And, it, and you're only as good as I say, only as good as your last game. And that's I think unfortunate. They made a good point. I was listening to the phone in the other night as well. They made a good point that um, they don't think. One, I can't remember who it was. It was one of the pundits anyway. He was saying that I don't think Neil Lennon should. He didn't think that he should walk away, and he thinks that he should show a bit of fighting character. And because if he walks away, then if he's going for another managerial job, then they'll just look back on that and say, oh, well, it got tough at that club. So he just decided to walk, which I thought I would put another spin on it as well. Yeah, you, you could look at it that way. I mean, but what do they, what are you judged on? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. The performance there is, and is that if you come out and said, well, we've gone away, well, away for warm weather training, and you come back and you've drawn your three games. Mm-hmm. You've hardly scored, you've lost half your team to COVID lockdown and isolation. So it, go out and work with the team and, and motive, work with what you've got. I don't think they would have drawn if they didn't have the players isolating, but then I suppose that wouldn't have happened if they didn't go to Dubai, so it's just a kind of never... Well, you mean hindsight's a great... You never know. You mean it's like... Know, it's it's all ifs and buts. Ifs and buts, and that's like you I mean school teaching, isn't it? If I had maybe done this or maybe taught this differently, it's, it's about learning learn from it, reflect, you reflecting. <laughs> you reflect, mm-hmm. and will he learn from it? You would hope so, yeah. or other managers will learn from it, but probably not. And then staying on football, just before we go into this last quick question, what about Scotland then qualifying since 1998? What's your memories for 1998? Yeah, it's 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 really really good. I mean, as our national game, we should be doing a lot better. I honestly feel we've got a lot of players. I mean, Robertson and Liverpool outstanding at his club, but I mean, you would never think he's a Champions League winner when he pulls on. I don't know what happens. It's like our expectations are so high. Mm-hmm. It's beyond. Is that to qualify is a phenomenal? Absolutely. How much, has got to, how much has got to do with the players playing round about you as well, though? Aye. Yeah, you mean, they probably looked at, you mean, the position that he plays, and unfortunately we've got three world-class left-halves or left-backs, you want to call it, and not many centre-halves, so he doesn't have a lot to play into. He hasn't got great midfielders. Well, he should, well, he's got McGinn, and he's got a lot of good players that are McTominay and all that, but there's, it's just... It's know, it really seems difficult. As if, it seems as if all the best players are in the middle of the park and then we've nothing really on nothing the side. Nothing up front. Or, or centre, mm. up front. Oh, that's the issue, isn't it? Up front. But the issue we've got is that if we keep on playing with one up front, then we're going to really struggle because we've got no outlet. He just runs. All the, all your centre forward does in Scotland is do shuttles. Back mm. or forward, back or forward. Right, I mean, by the time he gets the ball, maybe three chances, he'll be shattered before he even kicks the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the tactics we need to look at, but... I'll be, people are saying, oh, Murray, shut up and stick to hockey. You're not good at that either. So. <laughs> yeah. No, but it'll be good to get to the Euros for the first, uh, since yeah, our, our lifetime, really. Great for the nation. I think it's really good 
most importantly is it gives us an identity, gives us mm -hmm. something to cheer on, it's something to get really depressed after we maybe don't do so well and uh, <laughs> same old story, but you I mean I'm gonna forget that. But I mean just it's fantastic, you know, like the likes of the whoever's worked with the goalkeeper, him saving Marshall, great professional, really worked hard and for him, mm -hmm. what an achievement. You know, no. really I but do you think the, the mindset of the Scottish people is always like we never quite get there? Do you think this group of players could really turn that round? Like if they can qualify for a couple on the bounce, maybe? Because we always, uh, yeah, we always seem to it, never get there, usually. It's belief, it's belief, it's, 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 it's getting that crucial, maybe a couple of wins are doing quite well in the, in the group stages. And if we keep our expectations, because we're in a really tough group, but we could. I mean, England have got fantastic players, but as a team, not great. You know, I mean, we nearly beat them when um, Lee Griffiths scored a couple of clinkers, but do we believe we can do it? It's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, trying to get that back. A mindset Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, 100%. Right, so talking about mindset and belief, this might be part of your next question, but uh, answer, sorry. We asked this to all the guests. Lastly, uh, in your opinion, Murray, what makes a high-quality teacher? Um, desire for me if you don't enjoy it as I said earlier get out and let it's a privilege to teach kids you've got to create be able to create a warm friendly safe environment where the kids feel really valued um, you've always got to be one step ahead you've always got to have the answer that they are looking for consistency we talked about it earlier is however you're feeling you need to be in the same mode every day if not sparkling every lesson, you're on stage. Is that they want, they're coming to pee, they want the same Mr. Carney or the same Mr. McGregor to do that. So for me, is you've got to be imaginative in meeting their challenges and looking at ways of suiting every kid's needs is getting little tricks up your sleeve and how to deal with disruptive behaviour. Um, you you have you got, you got any top tips? For kids? Um, yeah, I think it's uh, well, for dealing with the, for dealing with the disruptive behaviour. You must have a couple up your sleeve that you've you've used over the years. Do you want the official ones? <laughs> well, for me, I think it is is that is not giving them an audience. That's number mm -hmm. one. If you're dealing with them, don't put yourself in a situation no. where how many teachers, young teachers, do you hear them say, or older teachers? If you do that again, you're in bother. Mm -hmm. I've told you. If you do that again, you're in bother. Is that you've got to have a set regime where if you promise something, you've got to deliver it. If you're saying is, I'm going to put you out of the class or I'm going to put you in another class or arrange for you to go in another class with Mr. McGinn, then that's what's got to happen. And because so one, keep, keep warning them and warning them. It doesn't really it's go no use Because they know you're, not, you're bluffing. So you have to have, you have to have some sort of mechanisms to diffuse it. And also is that you might not just address that issue there because that's give the time for the for the pupil to come down from their high is if they're angry, just let them carry on and then maybe pull them aside when they don't have an audience and speak to them. And it's not easy. It sounds all very easy, but is that nine times out of ten they're looking for you a response to just touch the paper and away you go. And 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 you, is raising your voice gone? It's, Doesn't it work. It's not, no, 
is that you can you can talk in a deeper voice or a slower and say, I'm not really happy about this. And I used to say to them is that, would you like me or someone to speak to your gran or your mum and dad the way that you spoke to my member of staff? And then they turn around and say, ah, <laughs> well, that's just not right. You mean, it's treat. You mean, I think every teacher, when they're teaching a pupil, should treat them as if it's your nephew or your niece or your son or daughter and give them experience that you would expect from your close-knit family. And point. I don't think you go wrong on that. It's a good point to finish on. Um, so desire, consistency, be the same Murray every day um, as they would expect you to be. So some good pointers in there. Um, before we, we finish up, we've got a quick fire round that we do with all our guests. Um, all, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, thank God there's no hockey questions in there. <laughs> well, I've got <laughs> the hockey questions are done. Brilliant. Absolutely. Well, we never know there might be a hockey answer. <laughs> yeah, well, right. I'll deflect it. <laughs> right then, Murray, just three quick questions then to finish us off for the night. If you could have a giant billboard in your hometown, what would it say on it? Okay, the hometown in Cults, very affluent area now and everything like that. Now, and I would say, if you cannot succeed here, you need to have a good look at yourself as you come <laughs> into Cults or go out. Brilliant. <laughs> I know, we need to visit up there, what's it like? Any... Uh, too posh for you, pal. Are you buying plenty of money then? Uh, absolutely. No, it's <laughs> great, money. It, it's, um, it was a great place to. It's a bit different when I grew up, but it's certainly really, really good. Yep. Any good pubs? Uh, don't drink, you know that. No. I only have a little <laughs> tip up now and again. Yeah. <laughs> In the house. In the house. I, the... Well, Abadonis don't like buying rounds, so you know that. Bit slow. You always go to the toilet when it's your turn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, no, I was just watching uh, an episode of Still Game last night, and it was the one where um, Tam and Francis are getting married, and uh, Winston, <laughs> Winston's the best man. Have you watched Still Game yeah. before? Yeah, yeah. It's Winston's yeah. the best man, he's telling the speech and all that, and obviously Tam's the tight one in, in Still Game. He says, I remember this time, Tam went into his pocket and a pound coin fell, fell out and he went down to pick it up and it hit him in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, oh, right. The pattern in it is amazing. A, it's golden. We had, a guy in our, yeah, we had a guy in our department that used to call short arms and deep pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Tighter than two coats of paint. <laughs> oh, superb. One right, liners, no, eh? Number yeah. two then. What book or books or people have had the greatest influence on your life? Okay, well, there's obviously been my my athletes, the likes of Lee Fawcett and Nikki Kidd, Ali McGregor, who um, Amy Clark, who have really trusted in me and allowed me to coach them and be part of their journey of success. Over 500 Scottish caps between them. Uh, Mike Rhodes was ex HMI. Uh, he gave me my first chance to join the writing team for the the first hire that came out on stream, which really gave me a wee bit of confidence to believe in myself. So he was really instrumental in that. But probably my mum was really good because it, uh, without her, I would have been still playing football or tennis or running about with no 
with no idea of what I want. I always wanted to be a PE teacher, but she sat me down and said, well, look at your school report. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. You're, so she sat me down and got me into those days, we're talking 1975, into study plans. And so she, maybe she should have been a teacher, but she sat me down. So my mum was really instrumental and probably my wife, Linda, she, once I decided to go for promoted posts, she sat me down and said, look, Marie, you need to get your ideas into some sort of logic, you know, what your strengths, what your weaknesses, where do you, where do you want physical education to go? And so she was, she's always been a really steady and influence and I kind of, rebounding board for me to, you know when you mean you get you do get a bit fed up and frustrated is that she'll give you answers because she was a guidance teacher so they're they're really good at finding pencil cases and school bags about the school that's all they do anyway but they're really good at giving advice and all that so yeah. she was very instrumental but my athletes were have been brilliant and all the kids and families in the mint law area that have really allowed me to have such a brilliant teaching career mm-hmm brilliant so it seems like people more than books then <laughs> uh, well Roy the Rovers are uh, I, do, I do like my Matthew Sinai and I do like oh you mentioned that earlier actually and uh, you know the chimp paradox you know is really good as well about how kids and people react under pressure mm-hmm. but I would rather be out doing than sitting yeah Aye, absolutely yeah. I think yeah. I, I think I need to be really in the mood like I do I do enjoy reading but I need to be in the mood for it yeah. Like, well, what, I mean, it's so never been... What kind of mood do you mean? I'm reading mood. <laughs> well, it's got to be plenty of pictures for PE teachers, but you mean, <laughs> it, it's... It big, is, big writing. Big writing, you know I mean? The first time I went to the library was at university, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I that's been honest, that is, uh, well, what are you in the library for? And I'm oh, studying, oh, right. We've got an exam tomorrow. So you had to kind of get yourself organised, but you mean, is that I think the kids at Mint Law and the, and the community in Mint Law made a fantastic experience for an old man. And I, and I still love all the people that are up there and they've been very, very good to me. So you, how far are you from there just now? Do you still it's about here? 15 miles away. So, you I mean, I still meet a lot of people in there. And um, it's, it's, I mean, it's been such a, I mean, it's been my life. And uh, it's, I would, not change anything. I would never. I mean, I, I was so proud to be at Mintlaw. It was it was great. Are you still, are you still up, upholding your high standards in the PE department? Eh, um, well, next question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would hope so. There's always it's the kids that make it. Uh-huh. The kids that are there. Yeah. Oh, right, no, no, that's what I've, that's what I've took for this podcast every time. Um, you've, you always pass the credit on to the team as well. So it shows, shows you the kind of leader that you are when you were talking about your, mm-hmm. your success. You've always kind of passed it on to your, your team. It's a team that makes it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. You I mean, I remember uh, an experience I had with Alan McGregor who went on to be, you know, from a little town in Ellen to be number one goalkeeper in the world. And uh, he was playing that Olympic qualifier in um, Argentina and they were playing India in the final to go to the Olympics. If they didn't win this game, they didn't go to the Olympics. That's four years of your life. And we'd been working on his stick side, you know, for diving at corners to go down because a lot of teams had identified that that was his weak area. So India got five corners in the last five minutes. I was around watching it, his mum and dad's. And uh, we'd worked on that for six months. You know, I had a lacrosse stick so I could generate the pace because I couldn't hit it or flick it as hard as 
the mm. international players. So we've got a lacrosse stick and you could hit flick it even harder than anybody could hit it. And he saved seven in a row down on the right hand side. And it was just a magical moment is that you I mean he was on the internet saying that was it. All that work just week in and week out, just working, identifying and just working in that. It was fantastic. So it's these kind of things, you mean, is and and he, I mean, I was fortunate. He nominated me to carry the Olympic torch, and it was through Mold Village, and mm. and that was just the icing on the cake. I mean, to carry that and to keep up my mantelpiece, you know, it's only a bit of memorabilia that Linda allows me to keep in the house. You know, it's a <laughs> lovely piece of art. You know, but if it's some but, time of it, it sounds, it sounds it, amazing. Fucking it's been brilliant. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been so lucky. Just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, what a life, eh? Mm-hmm. Amazing. That's the goal, that's it, the inspiration. I know, absolutely. That's what we need to strive for, for sure. Right, so what advice would you give then to a, a new student teacher coming through or a current teacher who's aspiring to attain maybe a leadership position within a school? Okay, for me, the most important thing is that it, you've got to decide where you want to go. Do you want to go to guidance or do you want to go to faculty head or principal teacher? Or do you want to stay in the shop floor? Is if you want to teach, you stay in the shop floor. Is it the principal teacher's job has really, really changed? Do your homework. Get involved in in committees that you you're interested in. Just don't do everything. If you like assessment or you like behaviour management, do that and do do it well. And make sure that try and get within the school a chance to see if you like it. If as a attempt a job or a maternity leave or whatever or in another school trying and see if you want it because it is a massive step is that I was lucky because the PT's role has changed or the faculty has now changed dramatically is that I was still able to teach and manage whereas it's more managing now than than teaching so is that you've got to really make sure it's there it's for you um it is very stressful, but is that it's trusting other members in your department and nurturing other members to give them the opportunity to acquire new skills, whether it's analysing exam results or creating new courses or whatever is it. It's it's trusting in your department and 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 getting the opportunity to try new things and to have a have a philosophy. What are your views? Well, I think P is really good. Well, why is it really good? What's your beliefs? Have something that you want to strive for and not just for the sake of it. So for me is, is that if you want to go that way, great. But I think it's so, there's still a very rewarding place in the shop floor to, to deliver it. And I think I'll be in the shop floor for a, a good while yet. Like. <laughs> well, that's great here because you mean it, it, it is so rewarding. And speaking to you guys prior to the, the podcast is that um, you, you know what like I now look at 60 you guys will probably look like that at 40 good looking <laughs> charisma but no joking apart is, is that it, it'll be it'll be you, there's a lot of there's a lot of me and you guys and I see a young Murray Carney and the, the kind of the two of you is that you you want to get on you want to you want to tell the world how good P is and I, I think that's so important and share that with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's just we, get, we get the kids to kind of tune into some of the episode as well. Um, I managed to get a few athletes on and interview them and talk about the 
cycle of analysis in the yeah through yeah. the national five course. So we've tried to kind of get it up a bit. Pupil, pupils and teachers um, along yeah. the along the way. Yeah, always think. Would you like that lesson? Mm-hmm. And Donny talked about that in one of your podcasts. He used to sit and watch lessons. Think, oh, that'd be magic to be in that lesson. Mm-hmm. So when you're planning your lessons, do you want to be going in and sitting and doing a portfolio drive? Oh, that's no. true. I know. You mean you're practical people? That's who we attract. People want are doers, are talented and able, and and even if they're not able. If, if they like it, it's half the battle. And I mean, in my school, we would, we would maybe have three or four kids a week that didn't take part. Mm-hmm. And that was because of kit issues. They couldn't afford kit, so we just got them kit and everything like that. But we didn't have a problem with that. And it's all about setting, you know, the enjoyment. Enjoyment. If they're not enjoying it and it's not safe, then they're not going to learn. Yeah, and I think that's always a big telltale sign on how successful a PE department is when you have a look at how many sit at the side when you go yeah. into a school and yeah. you can really sense that enjoyment. Yeah. And to be fair to some departments, they might try to be very inventive and be really, but there's been a history in it and it's really difficult to, to break that mould. You know, to be fair to them, there are a lot of departments that have tried everything to do it. And at the end of the day is, is that, is it how do you measure it? Well, this time last year we had 40 kids a week not taking part. We're now down to 20. Yeah. Set the time. Eat away at break it down. Making progress. Absolutely. Rome wasn't built in a day. Absolutely. Yeah. I bring that's it back. That's because me and Lewis won it. That's right. <laughs> You'd have put the numbers up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still win it. still win it, about. Absolutely. <laughs> Now listen, thanks very much for coming on, Murray, to a wee bit of everything. It's been a real privilege to be able to speak to somebody who's had so much experience and uh, just, you know, how humble you've been tonight and sharing your experiences. We really appreciate you coming on and talking through your your uh, stuff. And so thanks very much for doing that. No problem. I just hope that I don't bore uh, <laughs> your audience and your numbers don't go down. But no, no, blip, no, but no, no I've, I've really enjoyed it. And um, yeah. I'm passionate about it and I just love sport and I love I love teaching and uh, it, it's been a fantastic journey and now working with Edinburgh University I'm now going out to help and assist in the students there so hopefully I'll be able to pass on some some of my knowledge to them and they are I mean to be fair to them, they are brilliant I mean the group I've got my fourth year group my third year group that I've had and my one year course they are so receptive and just are sponges for knowledge they just want to learn so inter- I, a lot of the students are just super enthusiastic aren't they that, but I, I was the same but like I, I feel like that like they're just so eager to learn and share ideas and all that and it's it's brilliant it's just the, per- the personality I mean the character of, of, of the people that get involved in it are I mean a great role and are so organised I mean a lot of the, the women who are, that I work with students that are so organized and so precise and the, the male side of things maybe took, take a little bit of that but you I mean they've got other qualities that they're that they can offer as well and and they're so eager to share which is great you I mean and uh, I think the profession is in a really you I mean coming out of pandemic we should be looking at ways of let's get the kids active mm-hmm. yeah, I mean does it matter what level they're at no Let's get them active and let's get them back and join. 
being outside and being together, being able to celebrate a goal, being able to celebrate achievements, right. be able to to just be themselves and what an environment we can offer for that. Because yeah, we've got a huge problem mental health wise, is that kids have got out of the way of exercising and and seeing people. I mean it's so PE's got a massive role and I think we'll take it headlong into it and head on rather than just we'll smash it. Love to hear it. It's, it's just great having these conversations and speaking to somebody like yourself, Murray, and it's just super motivating for us and it's just refreshing to see how much you've got out of it and what we've kind of got to look forward to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The journey's just started for you guys. You yeah, are, exactly, exactly. I'd love to be, I mean, I would love to be where you are, but and if you've had half the, exp- the great experience that I've had, then, I mean, there's so many to mention it. But thank you for the opportunity to, to go down memory lane, as you would say, and mm-hmm. um, and um, I've uh, really enjoyed your company. But anytime, give me a call and we can. I'd love to. Great to talk to two. Definitely, keep in touch. Pleasure's all ours. And just Love finally, be, just finally, before you go, just make sure you, you share the Murray Carney podcast and a wee bit of everything, everything with your students. <laughs> <laughs> Get the video. <laughs> Right, so that leads us nicely to another takeaway message at the end of this episode of A Wee Bit of Everything with Murray Carney, who was on today to talk to us about his kind of journey and career as a PE teacher and as a hockey coach, um, with some excellent stories in the in the process as well. It was great. A good laugh on that episode tonight. What was your thoughts? Any takeaway messages? Uh, my thoughts were that it was, it was really insightful and experienced, obviously. Tore us, tore us to shreds here and there, um, but yeah. <laughs> You sometimes just need to take it, don't you? When you're, dealing, when you're dealing with guys like Murray, there's no comebacks. Take it in the chin. Uh, we certainly did. <laughs> Your two chins have took a pounding. Sorry, right. it's, it's character building. <laughs> That's it, you've got to break them down to build them up. But uh, moving on to the key takeaway message, um, I would say my key takeaway message would be physical education, remember, as a practical subject, so make sure we don't lose sight of that. Murray spoke about it. I don't know if he'd spoke about it in the episode, but he definitely spoke about it off air before the podcast and at the end. He said, um, don't lose sight of that. Make sure that you teach everything with National 5 and higher within the practical sessions. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you do that anyway. Um, I do three, three practical and one theory for National. Um, but sometimes I find myself going two and two to try and push on some of the portfolio questions to try and deepen their understanding and knowledge within the classroom. But Murray said, leave the classroom for revision only and everything you teach should be through practical settings. So create scenarios where the pupils will feel anxious or feel pressure or have to deal with uh, coming up against determined opponents or they need to be determined. So it's up to you as a teacher to create the environment where these practical scenarios occur and hopefully engage them in in the process and deepen the the learning. And I think it's also important as well, like some of these pupils that you teach do have that experience in playing at a high level of competition whether it be in football or badminton or whatever sport they play but some pupils just don't have that experience at all so it's given them the opportunity to experience that in a competitive environment and then it gives them obviously the tools and the knowledge to to write about it but I thought it was fantastic what he was saying like if there's someone in there that you know can take it a pupil you go in and challenge them say I'm going to thank you to the badminton and get all the pupils sitting around about that was the example that he gave and mm-hmm. um, talk to them as you're playing and get them and, and just 
give them a um, a whooping. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You got to whoop them. You got to. You've got to make sure that you give them the best uh, attempt <laughs> you can. But Lewis, what I was going to say as well. See, on that as well, like they, they won't forget. They won't forget those practical scenarios if you put them into situations where they're under how you make how you, how you made them feel in that moment. Why they, they won't forget that, and hopefully they can draw on that when they do their PDP. Absolutely. Well. I guess that brings us nicely to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in every week to these episodes. We hope you're really getting something from it. And it's really good to see the the positive feedback we've been receiving on social media and um, the impact this has been having on student teachers and current teachers alike. So um, that's what kind of drives us to keep doing it each week and as, as well as our enjoyment for sitting down having these conversations with the guests so we're really grateful for the feedback that you're giving us and of course for the guests for taking their time to come on to the podcast and share their experience with us and yourselves so until next week we'll see you again on a wee bit of everything take care